Bottom line, baseball is back. We got a CBA and we're not losing any baseball. What's up, Candy Fam? My name is Nate, that's David, and this is the Talking Candy Podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into the Candy MLB NFT marketplace and give you an idea of what stood out the most to us. And while David and I each have candy collections of our own, none of this is financial advice. Please do your own research. We are just here to have a good time. If these videos, if these podcasts are interesting, entertaining, helpful in any way to you, a like and a subscribe go a long way in helping us grow this channel and reach more people. With that being said, David, it's good to have you here. How you doing? Doing good, Nate. Doing great, actually. It's been an exciting week. Yes, it and, has. Uh, I'm just ready to, to get into all of it. It's been a huge week for baseball, a week that we probably, a majority of us thought was much further away than it ended up being. And so just last week, we were talking about the, the CBA probably not getting done anytime soon. However, it did happen last week, just days after our last podcast, much to, to our surprise. So we've got that to talk about. We also had three huge one-of-one sales breaking records left and right this week. And there's, there's some interesting commentary around those three. We'll get into that shortly. And we also have the, the upcoming chaser deadline for, for both of the MLB icon sets. So going to get into all that. But as we do, typically, let's start by taking a look at some of the, the biggest sales of the week. Yeah, just like any week, we've seen a lot of a lot of expensive epics change hands, and you're really good about getting those tweeted out on the Talking Candy Twitter account. Yeah. So if, if anyone out there isn't already following the Talking Candy Twitter, you should definitely give it a follow so you can get those alerts when big sales happen. Yeah, this uh, this Twitter account has definitely become my outlet for the the endless monitoring of the market, and mm -hmm. yeah, like you said, try to get out the the most most interesting stuff for people to know about. So we had early on last week we had the 30, 30 of thirty perfect Degrom cereal go for twenty one hundred, which was particularly interesting because the non perfect cereal twenty one had gone for two thousand dollars just a few days prior to that. So that was mm -hmm. looked like a pretty good pretty good deal in comparison. You can also see a nice rare Soto and rare Freeman there. In addition to that, we had the Mookie rare jersey sell for twenty seven fifty. We also had the first rare Tatis that that had sold in three weeks. That went some interesting news around Tatis. We found out today that he broke his wrist, unfortunately, and will probably out for around three months, probably. Mm -hmm. And so we'll see what happens to his prices there. But he's been somebody that has not moved a lot from our discussion. We assume that it's just a lack of desire to, to move that card. If you pulled that in a pack, it's a pretty good one to hold on to. So just haven't seen a whole lot of volume. We also saw the Serial 1 Manny Machado rare move. In addition to these, on the, the day that the CBA got signed, we saw the Serial 1 Bichette Epic go for 5300 which was a huge sale. We also saw the Serial 1 Jason Dominguez sell for $37.50. So a nice little trio of Serial 1s going here, all, all going at a premium. We had the Epic Mookie number 4 move for $2,500. That was only the fourth total sale of, of an Epic Mookie Bets up to this point. 
the first one since January 19th. So another guy that people are reluctant to move from, move on from for anything less than what they were really hoping to get for it. Just no real reason to move on from a solid card like that if you are invested long term. We also, in addition to the the rare Tatis and the rare or sorry, and the epic Mookie that don't usually move. We saw an epic Tatis, number 25 out of 30, sell for 6,000. There have only been six of this type of card sold, and it, the last one was on January 26th. The prior three had gone for an average of 20, uh, sorry, 7,500. So this $6,000 Tatis looked like a, a pretty good buy as well, especially given the fact that we are now in a, a positive news cycle with baseball and where things are headed are a lot more a lot more upside in the in the near future than than what we had both thought and felt last week. So mm-hmm. the crown jewels of last week's sales were a trio of one of ones. DeGrom went first, and at the time he became the number three all-time sale in Candy Digital MLB icons, only behind the Otani one of one and the Otani jersey epic. Shortly after that, two days just two days later. We saw the Brandon Crawford one of one go for twenty five thousand, which supplanted Degrom and became the the three spot. So those are now currently sitting at number three and number four overall. And then a day after that, we saw the Francisco Alvarez uncut diamond one of one go for nine thousand, which instantly became the number one most expensive uncut diamond sale and the twentieth overall. And the biggest kicker of these three is that they all went to the same collection. So all three of these went to the same home and they're all hanging out together. And that is pretty cool because that is a pretty significant collection. I know there's some other significant cards in that collection as well, but huge congratulations to to this holder. That is a wild trio of cards to add all in the span of four days. So congratulations on that one, very exciting. As you said, an incredible trio of purchases. I've made no effort to disguise the fact that I really wanted that Crawford Legendary. Uh, Could I afford it? Uh, When I pulled a Legendary myself, fingers crossed, arms crossed, everything crossed, praying that I was about to pull the Crawford. And I'm happy with my Kyle Gibson. I I love it. But, But Brandon Crawford was the dream, and I'm pleased to see him get the respect he deserves to become that number three top sale in candy history at the moment. Yeah, and I think that the the it's a very exciting narrative around these one of ones at this point because mm-hmm. they are so unique and they are so expensive that all of the floor data and the what it should go for just really goes out the window on this. And we've touched mm-hmm. on it before. It was it was one of the problems with the Otani selling so early at a hundred thousand is we it created this really clean let's compare everything to Otani number, and that's exciting, but it also means that there's a lot of opinions getting thrown around. So yes, sitting side by side, Crawford for twenty five k and Degrom for twenty two k those don't seem to add up. You would think that Degrom would go for more than Crawford, but it's not that simple. These cards have. There are very specific selling goals, I'm sure, with each holder. And it's also just a matter of opportunity. Just because Crawford should theoretically sell for less than DeGrom doesn't mean that it's ever going to be listed there. And if you believe that these prices in general are relatively 
uh, affordable is the wrong word, but compared to where they're headed, if they're sitting in a position where you think that, that this is a good buying opportunity, then it's kind of in the noise. I know that that sounds ridiculous with how expensive these are, but the point is just that if you want to look at it just as a the ebbs and flows of a project, if you think this is a good time to be buying, then you have to take what is available. And that means that there's going to be some weird fluctuations in those prices. So I, I think that it's foolish to over speculate on the comparison amongst them. I think it's just interesting to see which ones are listed at prices that people are willing enough to pay at this point. And, and we have continued to see a few of these sell each week for the last couple of weeks. And, and that's pretty cool. I do think it also speaks to the notion that if you have one of these top tier epics or legendary cards, if you're trying to sell it, you just need to find the right buyer. You need to find the person who's going to be emotionally invested in owning that card. And that's what happened in this case. It's it's no coincidence that the DeGrom and the uh, Prospect that sold are both New York Mets. This is a big Mets fan who is also a Giants fan, and that's why his second choice after DeGrom was Brandon Crawford. He, you know, he's a fan of both teams, and in that case, even if the presses don't line up with what we've previously seen, for that buyer, it was the right price. For that seller, they had the right buyer. Agreed. And I think that another way to look at it would be that maybe DeGrom should have gone for 35000 And that mm-hmm. would mean that Crawford looks a little bit more in line there. It's, you can't, it's so hard to speculate which one was too expensive, which one was too cheap. It's, it's a fruitless mm-hmm. labor. I think that these are all extremely interesting to look at. And to your point, it's a pretty good idea to be holding one that you are personally excited about because at the end of the day, these are collectibles and you want to hold something that, that you believe in and that you are happy to own regardless of, of what happens in the, in the near future. So very exciting this week to see all three of those go and a pretty cool narrative around all of them. So with that, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the CBA because that is clearly the biggest news of the week. And what we got was not just baseball coming back, but we got a pretty significant list of, of rule changes. And so just kind of running through some of those right now, we've got opening day ultimately only getting pushed back a week. And regardless of that, we're still going to have a whole 162 game season. So that's really positive. Didn't lose a single game. But then the the actual changes that we're seeing, we've got a, a 23% bump in the minimum salary for, uh, for players with uh, active MLB service. This is a significant win. This was one of the bigger pieces that the players were looking for. And I think that by the end of the, this five-year run, that 700,000 number will be up closer to 800,000, I think 780. Uh, we are also going to see a 12-team post, uh, expanded postseason. So you can argue both sides of that. We can, we can touch on some of these points, but I'll just run through them quickly. They added a 45-day window to implement rule changes. This will go into effect in 2023. This is significant because it used to be that they'd have to wait Uh, an entire year, wait for the season to end to implement something new. So that's relatively significant. Uh, Universal DH for both the AL and NL. Neither one of us are a huge fan of this one, but the writing was on the wall that this was coming. We also have a new six-team draft lottery that's going to 
reduce tanking by by the bottom teams because they won't be guaranteed that number one pick. So I think that that's a good move. You cannot option a player more than five times in a season. There's going to be new advertising using jersey patches and helmet decals. These are, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that, but all sports are headed in that direction. So I guess it is what it is. This is all about money at the end of the day for the owners. So it's not surprising. And then uh, very significant, still a little bit confusing exactly how it works, but some limit uh, limiting service time manipulation that we've seen with young prospects, Chris Bryant being the poster child, as you stated right before we started this. this there's going to be a premise of award voting dictating whether or not a player is deemed to have had a full year of active service if it was officially their rookie year and also incentives to uh, promote teams or encourage teams to to bring these guys up on opening day and then if they do well enough in certain voting during the year that the the teams will be awarded for for doing that so not the most not the best explanation but i'm also still a little bit confused by it so i need to do a little bit more reading up on it but Pretty significant list here of of changes to the game as as we know and love it. Yeah, and I think we're in agreement that most of these changes are are fairly positive, or at least they represent uh, the best the MLBPA could could get together to get a, an agreement signed. Most of them are fairly neutral. Not crazy about the universal DH. You know that's. The difference between the National League and the American League, I've always liked that there was that that difference between the two leagues. And and some of the changes are fairly positive. You know, not being able to option a player so many times in the season, it should be a good change. It could result in some players getting less opportunities to prove themselves, but it could also force teams to actually commit to a player and keep them in the big leagues for a longer stretch of time instead of optioning them for a weekend or two and sending them right back down. So yeah. I'm I'm happy they signed anything, but I'm glad that it wasn't a complete train wreck and that it seems like there's a lot of good in here mixed in with the questionable. Yeah, agreed. I think that the 12-team postseason is interesting. I know that on one side of it, the argument would be that you're you're fast approaching and this was the the player's argument for not moving to a 14 team postseason but you're fast approaching half the league getting into the playoffs which Mm -hmm. is just another argument against a 162 game season you know why play that whole season if half the teams are going to get in and the 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 bar to get in is lower because you just won't need Mm -hmm. quite as many wins so but at the same time it means more fan bases getting to enjoy playoff baseball with their teams and it means more of these stars that we all enjoy watching, getting to, to play on the biggest stage. Baseball is a unique sport where any given team can go out there and win the World Series. You get hot at the right time. It's not the same as basketball. It's not the same as football. So that could be used as a positive argument. It could also be used as a negative argument. So I think that that's one of the more interesting ones to, to have a debate on. I'm glad just in, a, in the the snapshot of this season that we're going to get a full 162. I think we were all fearing a half season or or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy that we don't have to find out the hard way what what that was going to become. But 
yeah, not a huge fan of the universal DH. That was part of what made each league special, and I didn't think that it hurt the game, but clearly there was some other trains of thought on that. But bottom line, baseball is back. We got a CBA, and we are only going to have to wait one extra week for the season to start, and that's something we can all be grateful for. Mm-hmm. But then it does question some of the MLB's talking points throughout these past weeks where they were setting deadline after deadline after deadline. You know, the night before this got signed, they announced that there would not be baseball before April 13th. You know, it was the second week of games was canceled. It was done. And then the very next day, no, that's okay. Let's put it back on the table. Let's, let's put those games back. It's fine. And, and so it, it really calls into question just how serious their deadlines were, how arbitrary they were, and just kind of the amount of faith that they had while making these negotiations. Um, yeah, at least it, at least we're done with that for five more years. I think a lot of it is made up. I think a lot of it is that you have to address what the most likely outcome is at any given point, and so at different intervals, you need to make statements because. It's a big business. Uh, but yeah, I think it's all, it's all just fluff. It's all just Manfred saying what he has to say. It's the owners saying what they have to say. Same with the players. So I'm just glad that they got it done to a point where we're not losing any baseball in terms of the number of games being played. So let's talk about how this has impacted the market because it certainly has. We, we saw a a move in the right direction for the first week in a while. And mm-hmm. let's start with just the all-star weekly movers here. Yeah, um, and immediately after the agreement was announced, we saw people uh, who'd just been watching the market in decline for a few weeks uh, immediately spring into action. You know, there were there were sales occurring the, the minute that it became confirmed and people were picking up cards at prices that we might not see them at again for some time. And if we're just looking at the uh, weekly volume, uh, it's reflected there as well. You know, in the overall sales, uh, a handful of all-stars managed to, to move 13 of their of their cards this week across the different rarities. Uh, a majority of those were cores. Uh, that's to be expected. But it wasn't just the sales increase. There was just across the board price increases on many, many of these players. And if we just go down the list of the all-star cores, we see that on, on almost all of them. Uh, Rafael Devers sold 11 cores, and we saw his price increase from 115 to 140, you know, a 21% increase. Uh, Matt Olson only moved 10 cores, but his price changed a lot. Uh, it got down to 49, back up to 83. It's a 69% increase from one week to the next. Josh Hader, same thing. Sold 10 cores and a 38% increase from 29 to 40. And so almost all those players that moved big cores saw a corresponding increase. Uh, the anomaly is Yusei Kikuchi, and he's been the anomaly for a couple months now. Um, He did move 11 cores, but he actually saw a price decrease from 105 to 99. 
and again, all of these prices were at the time we collected our data, they might be a little bit different now. Uh, but in general, with some exceptions, uh, prices went up this week. Hmm. I'm going to pull up the the Matt Olson chart on Serial Chaser real quick here because you and I were talking about this uh, just a little bit ago. I think that this is really cool commentary on the intelligence of the candy user base because and just baseball fans in general, right? Because it's there, it's one and the same. But you can see here that prior to the Matt Olson trade announcement that just came out today, he's he's going to Atlanta to join the mm-hmm. the World Series champion Braves. He has been seeing his price, his core floor move up for the last several days now. So the cheapest sale on this run, and this was just a snipe anomaly anyway, was $37 mm-hmm. on March 8th. And then we see a steady rise. We see a couple of sales go for around 50, which he had already been going for that 50 to 60 range. But then we see these last four sales here, $70 on March 11th, $100 on March 10th for the eight cereal, so a lower cereal, $78 on the 13th, and $83 also on the 13th. So these are preemptive strikes, knowing that Olsen was one of the guys that was definitely going to move, didn't know to where, but there's there's hype around that. And so what you see in any project, any NFT project, is that the the hype is where the price action occurs. And then the news mm-hmm. is usually less exciting. And so the hype around Matt Olson led to his floor rising. And then sure enough, he got traded today and he got traded to a pretty exciting team. So I think that the people that decided to make that move this week are feeling pretty good about it. Definitely. And he's he's held strong as well. You know, the, the floor not only rose, but it's stayed in place. You know, it's at $87 currently as we record. And there's only two listings below 100 So someone could come and pick those two cherries. And his floor might sit at 100 for a while if no one's willing to let go of him for for any less now that he's headed to the the reigning champs. You know, that's a, it's a great place for him to, to land. Absolutely. So let me, uh, let me pull open the... It's the all-time movers for the All-Stars. We'll just look at it real quick, and then we'll go to the, the uncut diamond movers. Mm-hmm. There's Kikuchi still at the top. Yeah, uh, he actually held his ground pretty good this week with those 11 core sales that he made himself. Uh, so Juan Soto didn't gain any ground on him this time. Um, but when you look at that overall list, uh, you know, one through seven pretty much stayed the same, at least in the same order. Uh, Trey Turner moved up a couple spots after a good week. And uh, Acuna and Hendricks both cracking the list at the bottom there. But, I, th- uh, I think that uh, Acuna is a really interesting one. And I'm I'm intrigued to see... I've been intrigued by Acuna from the beginning because obviously he's that, that guy in the top six that has been number six, even though if he was not injured, he'd probably be closer to that Otani Trout here in my opinion Mm -hmm. so obviously the injury is significant now with Tatis breaking his wrist and being out for the first three months of the season I'm interested to see what the price action is on that top six and 
you know, with a guy like Acuna, does does Tatis move down into that type of pricing because we've already determined what to do with an injured player? Obviously, Tatis is a broken wrist. Hopefully, he heals that, comes back. Not the same as an ACL tear, but it's we we haven't endured injuries yet where we've just been in an mm-hmm. offseason here. So it's important to remember that this is not in a vacuum. One of the most volatile parts about having a project that is connected to human being baseball players is that they can get hurt unlike pikachu or uh, a bored ape those guys cannot tear their acls they cannot break their wrists they're going to be just fine as the art that they are Uh, Mm -hmm. but but seeing what happens with the prices of tatis who has also been one of the least liquid cards that we've seen in the project we spoke on it just a little bit ago with some of the top sales does that change do people get worried the holders of Tatis do they get worried and decide to uh, to move some of those cards and and have more action than we've seen historically up to this point so I think that that's an intriguing watch to see what happens over the next couple of weeks right and if you know if Acuna should belong in the top two top three with Trout and Otani then that means he's seeing about a 30-40% decrease on where his price should be. If Tatis has a similar action, uh, that could push him down into the low 300s, high 200s, if the price follows suit. And, and it may or may not. Um, it's going to depend on, on how accurate that three-month figure was on his recovery. And it could go a lot of different ways. But it is one to look into one to to pay attention to in the next few months well you heard it here first i'm calling that acuna is going to have the biggest price movement in that top six uh once we get a season so probably not the hottest take but i'm (laughs) I'm excited about acuna Uh, it's pretty exciting it it remains to be seen how ready he's going to be and how deep into the season we're going to get before he's playing at his peak but hopefully not too long. And he benefits from the the universal DH rule change, so. True, true. He could see some action earlier, get those swings in Mm -hmm. uh, without having to to risk as much uh, to his recovery. All right, let's take uh, take a look at the uncut diamonds, the weekly movers. Big week, big week for the uncut diamonds. Huge. And we'd been singing his praises for a couple weeks now. Because he'd, at least to us, inexplicably turned up at the top of the the all-time list. But Nick Gonzalez put a monster week in terms of sales. Overall sales, 20 in one week. We haven't seen anything quite like that since the first week of the marketplace. And that came across a variety of rarities. If you look, you see his name on the core list, on the uncommon list on the rare list. The only place his name doesn't turn up is on the list of epic sales. But he moved sales just all by himself and it reflected in his price as well. He had one of the biggest percentage moves from one week to the next. Uh, His core a week ago was $45 and currently it's still sitting at 90, a 100% increase week to week on Nick Gonzalez. And he'd been sticking out to us as someone who had a lot of all-time sales 
but didn't quite seem to have the price point to justify that, sitting in the 40s and 50s for as long as he was. Um, but now at $90, he's still low compared to those other top prospects, but it's a lot more respectable. And after a week like this, it's no reason, it's no wonder that he would uh, have done so well. Yeah, he moved himself off the kind of the floor of this set and mm-hmm. right into that that middle to high tier. So definitely one of the more interesting movements that we saw this week. And like you said, just the the sheer volume, a 20, a 17, 414s, 413s. We just have not seen numbers like this. And as I was pulling the data, the sales data for this, just one after another after another with with huge bumps so really exciting to see that and the the other part that's interesting is that it we didn't see a huge uptick in the floor of the entire uncut diamond set i know that it went up everything went up but not as significantly as as i thought it may have it's still uh let's see let's pull it up here no I'm not too sure if the uh, floor page on Serial 1 is exactly right, because when we pulled the information yesterday, uh, we were showing a total floor cost of between twenty six and 2700 and I noticed on Serial 1, it's still showing less than 2300 uh, Okay. All right. Well, let's go cool. off of our data then, because yeah. we know that that is very, very close to accurate, if not... Um... You know, we've obviously seen some moves since we pulled it yesterday, mm-hmm. but so I won't pull but that nothing, up. But. Yeah, I don't think it's dropped by as much as it would need to for that number to be accurate. But I think the serial one floor data is based upon a certain number of average sales. And so there's probably a few, you know, low listed outliers that are pulling that number down as opposed to what the actual low ask would be across that set. So then I I take it back. I take back what I said. But uh, yeah, we do show that a week ago it was $2,258 to complete the set. And as of yesterday, it was $2,663 to complete the set. You know, a $400 jump, which, you know, is 18% week over week, which is a, a pretty big move in terms of percentage. Uh, if we see a few more weeks like that, um, it'll it'll become a pretty expensive set. But one of the reasons why it's moving so much right now could be that looming March 31st deadline. Uh, because this is the attainable set between the two, with only 30 cards as opposed to 81. And people may have been waiting for the bottom before they finish their set, or before they even maybe put it together to begin with. They were just, you know, getting their funds together, waiting. And once that agreement was signed, once baseball was back, uh, they sprung into action is one possible reason why we saw quite so so many sales as we did. Uh, because we've, we're at, you know, less than three weeks, two and a half weeks until March 31st. And that's when, uh, that's when the snapshot is taken to determine who has a full set and who doesn't for that chaser reward that Candy will be giving out. Yeah, we're kind of in the middle of a uh, a confirmation bounce right now where if you were deciding to be patient and 
just kind of wait out this this slow bleed of a of a dip that we now got the news that we were all waiting for and we didn't know if we were going to get it in March or April or May and now that we got it and we've seen things kind of pick back up a little bit there's there's revitalized excitement the whole vibe in the discord has changed which has been nice to see there were mm-hmm. some some tough days in there where we all had some cumulative frustration but yeah we're we're getting that that influx of interest and excitement that things are now headed back in the right direction and yeah to your point we are very close to these the the chaser reward snapshot not close to actually seeing what the reward is which i know we will all be excited to see in august uh or sorry Mm -hmm. is it august or july late july i believe it's august august okay I, i won't be mad if it's any sooner than that but i believe as it's announced it would be august if not sooner i know it's shortly following the the all-star break so i know it's somewhere in there but yeah um i I also just pulled up the the uncut diamonds all time since we were kind of talking on that point as well but yeah we are it's it's been a good week for candy it's been exciting to see the interest pumped back into it and giving people a reason to to spend their candy balance again Mm -hmm. and there's nick gonzalez he you know, climbed his way to the top of the overall list for the moment, uh, edging out Julio Rodriguez. He was in second place last week. Now he's holding that top spot. And we saw some other big moves as well. Uh, Jason Dominguez and Gabriel Moreno both jumped up a spot. Spencer Torkelson moved up a spot. Ryan Rollison had a good week and pushed his way onto that overall list. Um, now, one of the ones I did want to touch on, though, before we get too far away from the Uncut Diamond sales was the Adley Rutschman Uncommon sales. Um, and so from that previous page, we would have seen that he moved six this week. And that actually pushed his uncut or his Uncommon floor from $299 to 400 And it's actually holding there. Uh, it's at 410 now, so it's gone up a little even since we've collected this information and that was you know six sales of uncommons in one week is is a lot as we've mentioned before but that was one of the bigger the bigger moves as well and he's also on this overall list having sold 52 total uncommons which you know speaks to that lower supply moving forward for those rutchman uncommons and i think that that speaks to the fact that we are now in a we're in another wave here of opportunity for people to say okay these prices don't make sense and we're going to go in and and clear out that floor and whether it was one person or multiple people it doesn't really matter because once the the movement gets going and it's realized that the floor is relatively thin and you want to take those away like you said it's these are all really low volume so that's it's low serial runs just in terms of overall existence, but it's even smaller when it comes to the available listings for purchase. Mm-hmm. So when the movement gets going, that something is relatively affordable to what it could be in the in the short term, uh, it's cool to see that the price action can can move things rapidly in a certain direction and then and then hold it. Mm-hmm. And you see that more commonly at higher rarities. Uh, one example from this week is uh, J.J. Bladé, if we're sticking on the prospects. Uh, he sold one epic, 
and uh, it only sold for two hundred ninety nine dollars. But the lowest ask now on his epics is five hundred ninety dollars, and it's held there since that sale occurred. You know that's a ninety seven percent increase, almost almost a doubling, a price doubling, from that two ninety nine to five ninety. And someone may decide to undercut. We may see that price creep back down before another sale occurs, or we may not. Everyone currently listed might hold their ground, and if they do, that's that's the price. And for something with such a small supply, like those forty epics on the prospects, what else? What can you, as a buyer, what can you say except to accept the price that's available when there's so few? Right. Yeah, a lot of the conversation around whether or not something is a reasonable listing, uh, it, it, at least in the Discord, from from my observation, a lot of it stems from, oh, the last one sold for this, or the last couple mm-hmm. sold for that. And certainly, you and I use that as a comparison. It's it's part of the equation. But it could have been a snipe. It could have been just a single person that was willing to sell it for that. And even if it was mm-hmm. reasonable, it, maybe it was a perfectly reasonable listing but it just so happens that everybody else holding that card isn't interested in selling it for that price it would need to be yeah. double that for them to let go of it and these are fun conversations that that we all have in general with cool things that we own right we all have yeah. cool memorabilia and collectibles whether it's physical or nfts and just because something has a a floor value does not mean that the holder is interested in in separating themselves from that that particular yeah. item for floor value so we have said it a million times and we'll continue to say it because I think that the, the conceptual understanding of all the different elements that go into what is fair and what is not fair, to use simple terms, it's just never as simple as a single number or a single sale. Mm-hmm. You got to look at it all and you have to take into account that unlike crypto where you can buy and sell it whenever you want, NFTs require a seller and a buyer. And if those two things don't line up, then it's not going to happen. And the most apparent version of that is with the one of ones, but it also applies to to cards of these nature that, that we're talking about with the with the uncut diamonds. Mm-hmm. Right. If if I were to sell my Kyle Gibson one of one, if I were using history on these sales as an indicator, uh, that would tell me I would probably need to go below 10,000, maybe even below six or 7,000 if I wanted someone to to pick them up based upon what we've been seeing. And I'm just not going to do that. If you want Kyle Gibson's one of one, I've got it listed for $100,001. If, if that interests you and if not, well, okay, he's mine. Mm -hmm. I, I love owning him. I love him in my collection. I pull it up. I look at it and that's, that's the price right now. I may go down at some point. I may go up. But for that one of one, that's the price. And you're going to see that with any of these one of ones. And a more motivated seller will have to be more realistic about what someone might be willing to pay. But maybe not. It's, it's for them to dictate wholly what that price is going to be. Yeah. And to that point, somebody today in the discord asked, they posed the question. I didn't see the whole communication, but you, you were part of it. So you'll probably know what I'm talking about, but there was a conversation around, what are you here for? Are you here for short-term profit, long-term profit, collectability, 
you know, there's a lot of different reasons to be involved in, in any given NFT project. And, and you responded E, all of the above. And I like that because the, that, you know, I'm the same, I'm the same, you know, we're, we're trying to make educated moves at any, at any step of the way. And so while, yeah, it sounds cool to, to be able to sell a one of one for X amount of dollars, it's also at the same time, something that you're really excited to be holding and that you were excited mm -hmm. to have pulled from a $50 pack and you're not in any immediate, you don't have any immediate goal to, to sell that thing just because you pulled it. So there's a lot of different emotions that go into any given decision that a collector is making with a card that, that they're holding. And mm -hmm. so all those different human elements go into it. And that's what makes things like this so interesting to me. And we've got some very clear, you know, positive news cycles in the future. We know that international payments are coming at some point. We know that crypto payments are coming at some point. Maybe no one will pay $100,000 for my Kyle Gibson one of one, but someone might pay 30 ETH, you know, for a one of one. It, it's once you start to, to, put some perspective on it once you kind of distance yourself from the US dollar price tag once you increase the amount of buyers by opening it up to other countries these are going to be significant market events and we're so early to that that there's just no motivation for me at least to let go of something that is by nature unique one of a kind until we see those events come to pass People are already kind of bemoaning the the snapshot being taken uh, because the, the notion that they seem to have in their heads is that once the snapshot is taken on March 31st, everyone who has a full set is going to sell their set off. I know that I'm not. I know dozens of other set holders who aren't in any rush. And there might be a few who, once they lock themselves in, will be making those those sales, recovering some of that liquidity that they put into their set. Um, but many, many are going to continue to hold because having this first set of candy baseball, you know, collection, it's, it's important to us to have that full set. And there might be some, a, some part of a sell-off, but it's going to coincide with the beginning of the baseball season. So you're going to have, on the one hand, a reason for prices to possibly dip, and on the other hand, a reason for enthusiasm and purchases to be on the rise as there's baseball starting up and potential marketing. You know, We all saw in the World Series when Candy got a shout-out on its Play of the Day NFTs on national television. That's the sort of thing we could be seeing throughout the season once it gets started. And so... We've got all these market events coming that it's it's too early to be selling off your very best uh, NFTs, in my opinion. I agree. We, we're in the middle of a soft launch still right now. We have seen test runs of everything. We've seen an MVP website. We've seen limited marketing. We, I mean, Gary Vee has... has only tweeted out about sweet futures briefly 
So many of these things that we know are coming are coming and they're going to come in a big way. This is a new company that has wanted to make sure that it's got its ducks in a row before bringing in a huge user base. And now we're at the point where you have to imagine that the the attempt, the execution on bringing in those new users is right around the corner and is in line with this baseball season. So mm -hmm. we're at a hugely exciting moment. Up until a week ago, we didn't know if this could be bad for three or four more months. But now we know that it's not, which means that the positive news is right around the corner. Reasonable and Usman just did a Twitter spaces with the vdao.eth. I think his name was Jeremy. They were talking about you know, just teasing the fact that these new packs are coming, guys like Bryce Harper, guys like Brett Phillips, you know, they're not going to release new packs without marketing those that new release. So mm -hmm. that is going to bring new people in. Those ads that you saw in the World Series are going to be part of regular season games, you have to imagine, pushing more stuff on Fanatics, pushing more stuff on the MLB website, the MLB The Show video game, uh, streamers that stream the MLB. There's just, there's so much there are so many different avenues for promotion and we now finally have the baseball season that all of those things are based based around right. so this is a this is a feeling like a, a last moment to to buy up those couple cards that that you were waiting out on and i agree with you this is not when i would be selling my most valuable stuff this is when i'd be really excited to to see where those cards are two three six months from now mm -hmm. and like matt olson having a big news week going to the Braves, you know, we're already seeing Jesse Winker uh, from the Cincinnati Reds is on his way to the Seattle Mariners. And these types of news events can move individual players, can cause market effects. You know, since the news about Jesse Winker has broken, I've already seen multiple listings come in above the current floor. His current floor was 58 earlier today, and I've seen listings coming in at 75, 85, you know, people who are getting ready to sell, but they're not even listing at or below the floor. They're listing in anticipation of a price move above it. And so we're going to see players being signed, players being traded. We're going to see players having fantastic months, you know, hitting 10 home runs in a month. And we're going to see what that does to their values throughout the season. And we're going to see new players who weren't part of last year's all-star team getting their chance to shine. There's so much that's going to be happening each and every week. And I think that there are few things as exciting in, in that same conversation as the fact that Candy just put out a, a survey regarding Candy Fantasy Baseball. So as has been hinted at, there is going to be some type of gamification that occurs with these cards there's going to be some type of fantasy baseball element. What it looks like, we have no idea. We can only speculate. The The questions on the survey, which I recommend everybody go take a look at and help them out with that, they are they're relatively generic questions regarding some of the higher level rule options that, that you're faced with when it comes to designing a fantasy baseball game. But the bottom line is that it's coming, which means that there are going to be reasons to own certain cards versus others. Likely there will be rules based around, or, or at least there's the potential for rules to be based around the different uh, tiers of rarity, uh, the volume of cards, and maybe there are different challenges or different styles of 
whether it's salary cap or draft, there's going to be different reasons to hold different players. So mm -hmm. it's not unlikely that we will see bottlenecks develop based on needing certain cards for certain challenges that are based around fantasy. So what we have right now is so, so minimal, and yet it is already exciting. So I just mm -hmm. can't imagine what this team has in store for us over the next six months uh, as they unveil all of these things that they are excitedly working on behind the scenes. So before we call it a day here, we did have one, ex one more exciting thing happen with Candy. Uh, it actually happened today, this morning. We had the second of three Sweet Futures College Hoops uh, releases. Let me pull this open here. Yeah, so we've got the, the next set here, Johnny Davis, Keegan Murray, and JD, uh, JD Davison. There will be two more next Monday, and that will be the total the total eight. But yeah, uh, another exciting day for Candy. A lot of movement in the market, and a lot of excitement specifically around Johnny Davis and Keegan Murray. Mm -hmm. They both had um, some pretty good volume, uh, not just from the initial run of sales, um, but even secondary sales. We've seen some of their lower serials uh, trade at pretty high price points. And so that's pretty encouraging moving forward. And we've got March Madness right around the corner. So that's just a lot. That's a big reason for people to, to stay excited about college basketball because they'll be seeing these players specifically have an opportunity to really shine uh, on such a big stage. Duran plays for Memphis, which they'll be in the tournament. Um, I don't know if Bryce McGowan's will be in the tournament. Blake Wesley will be in the tournament. And Chet Holmgren, who is the, the highly anticipated from, mm -hmm. for next week, he will be in the tournament. So yeah, it's a, hopefully a good market event for, for the project in general and mm -hmm. just excitement around college basketball. I think that this is just really exciting. I, I get excited for the the NCAA tournament every year because I think it's just a great spectacle of sport always has mm -hmm. been the first day of the tournament that Thursday Friday is it's just as good as it gets but I think that this is a particularly special year where we've got these student athletes with the ability to monetize their likeness finally they've been taken advantage of for a long time and the people at the top have gotten really rich off of these kids playing sports that don't see a dollar of it. And I think it's really mm -hmm. cool to have this be part of, of the whole equation where these young athletes that are gonna go on to do amazing things are able to have these cool collectibles at this very early stage of their, of their basketball careers. Mm -hmm. and, and especially for, like, as you mentioned, Chet, you know, being, such a top player on such a top team we'll be seeing a lot of him you know playing for gonzaga they've got odds to go all the way and so we'll be seeing him potentially into the final round if they have the type of performance people are expecting out of them absolutely and yeah so just a quick reminder that the the cores it's a open mint and you'll have until thursday night to to pick those up while the the legendaries are an auction on Bitski. Those are one of ones. And the rares and the epics are both limited mints. 
those are out of 100 for the epic and out of 300 for the rares so a nice combination of all the different styles of nft launches a little something for everybody and again just really cool art love what the what the the graphics team did with these and you and i each picked up a few of these today as well so cool uh cool product excited for the tournament to start and i think that pretty much does it well um for anyone else who is excited about the tournament as well uh we do have a community hosted uh bracket and so chuck butter um you can see him in the hoops bracket uh, events channel uh, he posted a link to the the yahoo fantasy sports tournament free to enter uh, you just log in put your bracket together and so um, this episode will be coming out on march 15th uh, so you'll have a couple days left to get your bracket in to to participate you know because as a community we're excited about these players and about candy's participation with these student athletes and filling out brackets is fun so head on over on the Discord and check that out while you still got time. I will have a bracket. David will have a bracket. Looking forward to, to seeing how poorly it does. I know that I will not win. I never do. I, I picked so many upsets already. I've got no chance. <laughs> so hopefully we'll have a, a bunch of you joining us on that. Uh, but with that, that's all we got. We are We are out of ammo, and it's been a lot of fun. We appreciate you guys being here. Uh, I'm Nate, that's David, this is the Talking Candy Podcast, and we will see you in the next one. Check. The girls in my mouth.